0: Welcome to a special edition of Housing After Dark. The original audio for this episode was recorded back in May at a webinar sponsored by my Institute for Metropolitan Studies at San Jose State University, SJSU's Human Rights Institute, and SV at Home. The event featured a conversation about social housing between three of my favorite housers in the Bay, Tamika Moss from All Home, Jennifer Martinez from CCI, and Regina Williams from our co-host, SV at Home. The conversation was a wide ranging dive into the hopes, possibilities, and need for social housing in California. I was honored to moderate the panel, and since it came at the end of a long affordable housing month, just before a long weekend, we figured some of you might have missed it. Now you have an audio and written version, and I hope you find it as worthwhile as I did. A special thank you to SJSU's Gordon Douglas and Bill Armeline for helping put this event together. You can find their brief intros on the webinar version linked to on the podcast page. One of the reasons why we did this panel was we felt it was important to talk about social housing in California beyond state legislation. As I explain in my Substack piece accompanying this podcast, it's going to be critical for housers around the state to keep building momentum behind social housing as an idea, as a way of doing real system change for housing in California. I hope that the legislature passes both social housing bills before it, ideally as one compromise bill, I also hope other important bills that can help build the backbone of a more social housing system also make it through this year. But no matter what happens in the legislature, it will be up to us Housers to really imagine, design and build a better housing system in California. That, after all, is what social housing is all about. Thank you so much, Bill. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be here. It's a, just a kind of a dream come true uh, for me to be able to be moderating um, this panel with these human beings talking about this subject uh, at this point in time in, in California's history. Social housing is one of those issues where it really helps to take a bit of a deep breath before we start talking. This isn't a today thing or a tomorrow thing. Um, this is a longer term. Uh, vision uh, for transforming our housing system. I think there's a lot of different pathways that we can take and that willingness to stick with it it, is really important. And I think you can count on myself and all the other folks that are here uh, to be part of this issue and these fights moving forward. Uh, So without further ado, just briefly, what we're gonna do today is we're really gonna focus on three questions. First, we're gonna start with a little bit of a level set, uh, bring folks up to date with the sort of the state of things, why why we're talking about social housing today. then move into sort of why social housing matters what is it it's one of the challenges and one of the beauties of social housing depending on how you see it uh, is that it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people there are a lot of different definitions a lot of different understandings out there about what social housing is as a system as an idea as a proposal potentially as a state agency etc and so we'll focus on that and then we'll move into the types of actions that we hope to see or that we need to see to be able to either see a social housing vision or sort of transform our housing system uh, in some of the ways that social housing voices want to see uh, and to whatever extent we'll po- is possible we'll try to dig in a little bit about things that different folks in different subsectors uh, of the housing world can do and then we will open it up uh, to questions um so let's start a little bit um with context so uh folks many people who you've been following social housing in state of california you may know that there have been a few legislative proposals over the years there were a couple different social housing bills in the previous legislative session uh, and currently there are two so- bills that call themselves social housing bills alex lee's ab309 which passed the state assembly yesterday ab309 uh sponsored by alex lee from milpitas shout out to the southeast Bay, is it south bay or east bay milpitas i'll let you decide wh- which side of the bay you're on um, would create stand up a social housing developer a california housing authority to build housing in the name of this people of the state of california um, there's also sb555 sponsored by uh, senator ish Hub, which is hayward which is definitely east bay uh, which would create which would ask the uh, state department of housing and conservation housing and community development to study a possible so, uh, social housing uh, intervention for the state of California, and in particular, find a way to build uh, 1.2 million units of housing for our lowest-income Californians. Uh, that bill is, I believe, on the, the Senate floor today. Uh, I know that uh, its supporters are optimistic. There are also a handful of other bills that many people consider to be social housing bills. There's SB 584, uh, sponsored by the building trades, which would create a housing, a new housing fund. Uh, using taxes on short-term rentals. There's Senator Skinner's uh, SB uh, 440, which would create a framework for all uh, regions in the state of California to have a regional housing finance agency, like the La Casa agency that is being built in Los Angeles and the Bay Area Housing Finance Agency, BAFA, that is being built up here in the Bay Area. Um, you can even go into uh, efforts that the state has made over in the previous years to have teacher housing being built, to build housing for students through university funds as part of a social housing shift. Um, This is just a matter of discussion and debate. What's not really a matter of discussion and debate is the fact that more and more people are talking about social housing. Um, One of the things that really struck me is I went to an event uh, a few months ago, sponsored by our Southern California Associations of Government, SCAG and SANDAG. Uh, Again, these are the big regional agencies that uh, together represent almost 20 million people in Southern California, or perhaps more than 20 million people. uh, Hosting a discussion on social housing that included local elected officials, local government officials from different small jurisdictions, activists, uh, housing policy wonks, you name it. It had over 400 people talking about social housing in California. Something like that would not have been possible or even imaginable five years ago. And a lot of credit goes uh, to folks in those agencies for being willing to sponsor conversations about social housing. A big shout out to Helmy Heserich and Jennifer Lasar's team uh, for really helping bring a lot of people to Vienna and really starting to get this conversation running. And then many of you have will have read uh, the most recent beautiful piece in the New York Times uh, by Francesca Mari that has been buzzing around my Twitter. Uh, it's been buzzing around conversations that I have Uh, with people who I've talked about social housing with for years, and with people who I've never spoken about social housing with once. And that to me is an important context. And Jennifer, I wanted to toss this over to you because I know that some of this context of more and more people uh, thinking about social housing and talking about social housing is something that you've been, you and I have been thinking about and talking about between us, that you've been part of creating some of this context. I just want to get your sense of where you think we are in this current moment of talking about and thinking about social housing.
1: Thanks, Alex. And hey, everybody, it's good to be here with you all. Um, Yeah, it is an interesting moment that so much conversation is happening. And I'll I'll admit, I was a skeptic. Um, I was a tenant rights organizer for over a decade, um, really focused on rent control, kind of typical affordable housing stuff. And when a someone came to me um, maybe seven years ago and said hey let's let's go for social housing I was like, you're crazy <laughs> what are you talking about that was not at all part of the conversation I can one can only wish and I'm too busy trying to keep people from being evicted from their homes to worry about a hundred year plan. Um, but here we are um, thinking about a 100-year plan, which is really exciting. And yes, CZI has has sponsored folks to go to these Vienna trips um, that are happening not only out of California, but New York and other places are taking uh, cohorts of people, Vienna being kind of a premier place to look at how social housing, and I hope we're going to get into what we mean by social housing um, in a second, but... Um, how it might actually look and function and feel to communities um, and then bring those ideas back into our local communities and our state legislature for further discussion. Um, We've been part of um, supporting organizations that ran a ballot initiative last year, the United uh, to House LA ballot initiative, which was passed. And what was really exciting about that initiative among the, you know, many things and the fact that it passed it all was that it included a social housing component. So it's, I think it, I believe it's the first um, revenue source that has a specific carve out for the purposes of experimenting with social housing. And on the heels of that, a bunch of folks from LA city, LA um, board of supervisors and County have, are now in Vienna this week um, doing some more research of how to take lessons from Vienna And now they have the resources to actually try to implement some of those lessons Mm -hmm. in the city of L.A. So really excited about that. And I'll just say the other thing that we're um, supporting organizations to do um, housing now and um, a few other kind of tenant rights focused organizations who are starting to shift into this question of how do we produce housing for extremely low income people um, using new tools. they're testing this term, social housing. So I think that's the other, one of the challenge. one of the things to keep in mind is how um, folks are trying to do public education around it and do and and yet this this term is very ambiguous and not always telling the full story that we want to tell. And so I think that's another part of work that's happening is in the narrative context of folks trying to figure out how to tell this story.
0: That's a great uh, pivot to Regina and we'll go to Regina and then Tamika, and then back to you, Jennifer. So let's talk about what social housing is or what it could be, what it means to you. I mean, Regina, what is it about the idea or the possibility of social housing that, that made you want to UNSV at home want to host uh, this event? For those who don't know, SV at home is one of the, is our uh, affordable housing coalition uh, here in Santa Clara County. Um, that includes a lot of affordable housing developers and many other housing organizations and housing advocates. What is it about social housing? What does social housing mean to you? And why is it important that we're talking about it?
2: Yeah, uh, thank you. First of all, thank you for being here. Excited to be a part of this conversation. Um, Really appreciative of the um, generous introduction. Yeah, social housing for us is about housing that is um, publicly produced. Um, housing that is self-sufficient and that serves, you know, a mix of household income ranges. And one of the reasons why we're so supportive is, and this is so significant, is because, you know, housing in general and then affordable housing specifically um, has been privatized uh, by our federal government. You know, right now we have housing that, affordable housing that's really, and housing in general, that's really driven by, by mostly offering incentives or tra- tax breaks. And when we're talking about tax breaks, right, we're talking about uh, benefits that go to the wealthy to kind of disrupt the market or kind of push the market in the ways that we want it to go to make this um, human right, right? Housing is a human right available to all of the humans who live in this country um, but really by trying to incentivize the market to provide housing for everyone. And we know that our government has not been great at regulating or directing the market to take up care of us all. That's the result of what we have today. A lot of folks who um, don't have access to home ownership um, and a lot of people who don't have access to stable h- housing in general, um, a lot of ties between wealth building and wealth creation and housing and home homeownership, um, which drives people's decisions about where they live, how much they invest in housing, and drives their desire to exclude others from having access to housing. So for me, social housing is really about the government, the public, being more invested in making sure that uh, everyone has a, a home. It's about decommodifying housing um, and really going as far the the government going as far as to carry out implementation to make sure um, that everyone has a home. You know, this is not the first time that that the public has been directly involved in making sure that everyone has a place to live in this country. And you know, the US Housing Act in 1937 established the United States Housing Authority, which went on to become HUD. And subsequently um, in the 80s, we really went through an effort of privatizing this public benefit and this public good that everyone should have access to. And so for us at SB at home, you know, it's really about um recognizing that, recognizing the ways that we produce housing for those who are most vulnerable to displacement, most vulnerable to becoming unhoused, and 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 disrupt that, right? Have a different model that really disrupts that tax credits produce 95% of affordable housing in this country. So really disrupting that. And making sure that uh, it's not all about private companies being able and private equity and all of that being being profit, profit motivated individuals delivering the public good, making sure that there's an alternative. I guess the last thing I would say, because of the complexity of your question, is that the challenge is the distrust of government, right? So there's a reason why we pivoted as a country from... Um, public housing and housing produced in a large way for for low-income populations by the government. And so there's a a true distrust that the government can execute well in providing housing for
0: all. Thanks, Regina. And I think that last point is so critical and one that I think we have to really confront our Uh, If, you know, especially if we do define social housing in part through the role of of the government, again, you use the phrase publicly produced housing, that in order to get there, we have to think about sort of how, yeah, the perceptions people have about public housing, again, social housing, what's the relationship between social housing and public housing. This is a super important question, I think, for how to move forward, and I want to come back to that just want to give a little shout out to Andrew Somera, who's already submitted a couple of absolutely fire questions uh, that I promise you that we'll get to that. I think one of which includes essentially uh, these types of questions about how we rebuild faith in the public, the ability of the governments, not just the federal government, but the state and local governments. Uh, to be an effective actor in providing housing. So we'll come back to this. Uh, But now let's turn uh, to you, Tamika. What for you is the kind of animating force behind the possibility, the idea, the hope, the the dream, the vaguely defined world that is social housing? Well,
3: first of all, I want to start by saying thank you so much for inviting um, me into this discussion. I love the gals that I get to work with on this panel and um, just really psyched that folks are showing up on their Friday before Memorial Day uh, to be in discussion about this. Um, I mean, I, I feel like Regina said some really important nuggets that really resonate for me, particularly around the importance of housing in everyone's lives, right? We often define housing some folks call it a human right. We we call it a foundational basic need. Every person um, who uh, lives in society actually uh, needs a safe and affordable place to live if they're going to be able to reach their full potential in their lives and in, in, in our communities writ large. And so I think this idea that the system that we've created in the United States relies so heavily on um, a market-driven solution around housing production, you know, sort of discounts the the public's responsibility to provide that basic need, like education, like some of the other foundational needs that people actually have in order to uh, self-actualize in our society. So I think that that piece, to me, when I think of social, like that, to me, is the driving definition of what we mean when we say Everyone, regardless of your income, needs that foundational piece. And so building on that, our our current housing market policies, etc., cetera, the status quo is not producing adequate housing supply for everyone who needs it, right? Like straight up, full stop, that's part of our problem. What's interesting about social housing is that it actually subsidizes supply, not demand. They're not, you're not subsidizing the people, you're subsidizing the asset, the public good. And to me, that's the innovation of social housing. When you actually think about, wait, if we made supply abundant, people of all incomes can compete for housing. Um, And so if government is able to really produce that scale of housing, then that is the institution that should be responsible for financing our housing. And so when, you know, again, I've worked in government a really long time before I came to the nonprofit sector, and I understand the sort of historic barriers to government's leadership around housing, both in their structural racist roots And frankly, in the, you know, sort of skewed investment in those who have resources getting access to housing benefits and those who most in need do not. And I think that there is a paradigm that exists, Vienna being the best example, where this is possible at scale. And so one of the the things, Alex, uh, before I turn it over to Jennifer, that I think is important for us to think about is... Overlaying social housing concepts and perspective over a housing system that is so inequitable that it's producing the the outcomes that our California housing market produces, I think is a challenge. I think if we are really going to look at social housing, we have to look at it in the context of a new paradigm. The tax credit environment, the commodification of housing, all of the incentives that real estate investors and hedge funds and all the things that have a demand side uh, priority, I think overlaying a social housing framework on top of that kind of infrastructure will limit the utility of the idea. And so I'm really interested in thinking about what else paired with some of these concepts and infrastructure would need to change in our broader housing policy in order for Californians to actually get the benefit of having enough housing for all. And the the other piece I would say is, I just was looking up a stat around how many renters in the state of California there are. It's about 44% of all Californians that rent. And most of those households are rent burdened, meaning they are paying more than 30 percent of their income to rent. So when I look at social housing models like the one in Vienna, where renters are actually not stigmatized, they actually got stable housing and their sort of full participation in the housing market is acknowledged and they're not demonized for not being a homeowner, I think is dope. So I think we should really be thinking about that piece as well.
1: I'm excited about this concept for a couple of reasons, and much of which has already been said, so I'm just going to try to build off of it and not repeat. One is that it's a concept, to Tamika's point, that's not just nipping around the edges and trying to tweak the current housing system, but it's really trying to reshape a whole paradigm of how we go about fixing a problem that is out of control. I mean, it's not, no, it used to be that, oh, it's just San Francisco is having a problem. Then it's Oakland, now it's the Bay area. Oh, maybe sometimes LA. Now it's across the country, we're experiencing this crisis of housing unaffordability. And the current market, the current system premised on the market is incentivized to drive to maximum profits. I mean, that's the fundamental nature of the market drivenness of it, the commodification part of this. And, you know, at CZI, part of what we do is try to help you within the existing market system, reduce the cost of housing, whether that's incentivizing innovative construction um, approaches, new financing models, et cetera. And consistently what we run up against is the challenge of the, the incentives of the market are to drive to maximum profit. And so when you think about like, the banks are designed to do this because they have to give returns to their shareholders. The developers are designed to do this because they have to give returns to their shareholders. The landowner that you buy the land from is trying to get the maximum value so they'll hold on to it. So every part along the way of the system is designed for that. And, you know, that's the that that's the, how we've set it up. What is exciting about this is thinking about creating a new kind of market, a market that isn't about maximizing profit, a market that is designed to um, meet need and only achieve returns up to the level of the cost that it takes to produce the housing itself. And that on the financing side, that if we could get the public to actually do the financing work and just may come back to zero or have a revolving loan fund of sorts like not having shareholders on the other end saying we need maximum profits we could really produce new kinds of housing that would be affordable to many many more people we allow these systems to produce or to to continue forward and we're we've been okay with the externalities of this problem up until pretty recently because they haven't hit a uh all the income levels like up income levels um they're hitting every this is hitting a problem for everybody and social housing could be as Regina had said an approach to help lots of people across the various kinds of income levels get the kind of affordable housing that they actually need so that's exciting and also daunting um, how do we actually think about creating a new market system that would be in be driven by different kinds of incentives than in the current one we have um and you know i'd love to talk to you all about what you think it's going to take to get there
0: well That's great. Because that's actually our next question. So (laughs) thanks, Jennifer. I I just want to flag up a couple of things as before we move into this question about where we go from here, uh, just based on a couple of things that uh, Tamika and Jennifer just said. So we're thinking about it. Tamika mentioned the possibility of kind of getting to scale. I think that's a really important theme that you hear. Really, again, that's one of the things that makes Singapore and uh, Vienna so successful is that this is a fully scaled system that that works throughout huge swaths of society in, in Singapore throughout the entire nation. Um, I hearing talks about a new paradigm, right, you know, again, more than thinking about social housing as a building or a, you know, a type of development, it looks like this. And again, I love a good pretty picture of, of new social housing developments from all around the world. Uh, but I think that that's a really important thing that that has been a key theme and a lot of what I, for me, the most powerful conversations uh, about social housing is that new paradigm. And then you talk about reshaping the the market. I think, Jennifer, I think it's it takes a lot of courage to refer to social housing in some ways as a type of a market. Uh, one thing that's important is that in, for instance, in Alex Lee's version of the bill uh, of 309, which just passed, there are both rental options and uh, various forms of home ownership options. It's a mixed tenure approach uh, that recognizes that what individual households want and need uh, is different, but that it valorizes them equally. Uh, and it provides the same level of correction uh, and gives people real choice. But the only choice you don't have is to have like inadequate, insecure, and unaffordable housing, which I don't think is a choice that any of us would want to make. Um, so I think these are really important things. And I think one thing in particular about this emphasis, you'll see is that there are some proposals that are really centered in a building, a housing developer, like the Alex Lee proposal or ones that are, that are focused on like what Jennifer was talking about. And I think that last part is one of the things that's really important about why these incentives are so problematic in the real estate industry is some of it has to do with greed and with culture. Uh, and other challenges that have been a huge part and exploitation that have been a huge part of our real estate system, sadly, uh, in the United States from the very beginning. But a lot of it also has to do with risk, right? Building housing is a very risky proposition, especially in the United States. And one of the reasons why we see people constantly having to push for these higher profits is that they don't trust that they're gonna get any profits at all because the way the system is set up, the whole thing could fall down like a house of cards at any moment. And I think that's one of the most profound parts of what for me is social housing, is really thinking about risk and using that public power to get in there and just make a system that doesn't have to be risky. We make our system so much riskier in the United States to build housing and to manage housing than we have to. Again, one of the secrets I think if you go to Europe or Asia or anywhere else in the world that has a better housing system is that they use that state power to just make the process of developing housing less of a sort of crapshoot. Uh, which is how we seem to like it here in the United States, well, so with this in mind, and again, with this kind of diverse set of definitions, but all kind of aiming at something powerful, all having the th- the theme of you know more state action and bolder approaches to really deal with what has become a truly profound housing crisis, starting with you Tamika, what are what are some of the actions that you'd like folks to uh to take and again, one of the nice things about having the three of you here is that you both have incredible varied backgrounds in public sector, private sector, not-for-profit sector, as developers, as funders, as activists, as leaders, all of the above. Um, you know, Are there things specifically that you'd like different groups to start thinking about and doing differently? What are the steps that we need to be able to get to that new paradigm, get to that scale, uh, and do so, let's just say, within our lifetimes? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I mean, it's such a big question, and and my mind is just sort of swirling. But I, I think what comes the top of mind first is recognizing that we actually need a systemic change. Um, you know, we aren't going. There aren't enough programs. There, there frankly aren't enough resources in this current housing system that are gonna. That's going to resolve the housing unaffordability for everybody who needs it. And I think we need to be really honest about that. Everyone, you know, all home focuses primarily on folks with extremely low incomes. These are folks who are earning less than thirty five thousand dollars a year for a household of three, all the way to those who are experiencing homelessness today. And the fact of the matter is the cost that it would take to get enough housing with deep enough subsidy in this current housing system uh, feels prohibitive. That's why I think so many of our, our neighbors and residents feel like homelessness is intractable. How are we ever going to get to a place where there's enough housing for everyone when we've under-invested in housing um, for decades across the region? You now have you know, graduates from San Jose State, from Stanford, from all of uh, public institutions who are now unable to come back to the communities where they grew up and can afford housing uh, rents that that they can afford. And so I I think one of the, the takeaways for me is that these challenges will not be met by just investing more money into a system that is producing disproportionately inequitable outcomes. So social housing offers a model that does a system transformation. You actually have a financing system shift that you know, doesn't maximize profit at every point of the life cycle, but enough to, to be self-sustaining. The Vienna system is self-sustaining. It's actually more cost-effective in producing housing than we have in the United States. So I think just recognizing that I know change is really scary and change at this scale can feel impossible because you have to figure out what, where along the continuum of brokenness you need to disrupt. But I think the the overarching theme of social housing as as a systemic response to a lot of the housing challenges that we have in the state of California could really help people get more comfortable around understanding this this concept and really digging into what kinds of infrastructure uh, changes we would need to make. And and I also wanted to lift up the point you made, um, Alex, about choice. We want to offer a public option. I feel like this is analogous to um, the Affordable Care Act where President Obama was trying to be like, look, let's give the people an option right? Like, let's not just have it all be privatized. I think this is the same concept, right? If we could build quality housing quickly and much more affordably, I think people could then self-select of whether or not this is a housing option that they would prefer. And so I really like the idea of both of it serving a broader range of incomes, but also being able to be an option if if you end up wanting to buy your own home, you could still do that. But there it offers so much more choice for so many more people. I think that's pretty cool. And then the last thing I'd say is, you know, the state of California has a housing element for every jurisdiction in the country. We have um, regional housing needs allocation goals uh, through process of RENA in the Bay Area. And we need about 57,000 units of housing over the next year or next eight years for extremely low-income households. That to a lot of jurisdictions and in the, in the conversations I have with our partners feels impossible, both from a cost perspective and a time perspective. And I think really using the social housing construct as a solution set that could actually help deliver that scale of inventory uh, in a shorter period of time could be an incentive to shift the conversation for many of our partners.
0: Really appreciate that. Uh, Jennifer, why don't we go to you? And I'm wondering if also if I could sort of throw in a particular addition to that question. And so... uh, One of the things that you and I have talked about in the past convinced me that there are many obstacles to social housing, but the fact that there's a lot of different people talking about different ways of doing it is not actually one of them. When you're talking about, you know, what we need to do, like, do you think that we need to coalesce around a particular idea? How do we deal with this, all of the different ideas that are out there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's some principles Right. There's probably some principles that we that would be helpful to agree on. One principle we've already talked about on this call is that it's a different system it, that's incentivized for different outcomes. And so being able to settle on that. But how we get there, given our current conditions, I think we should be really open to a lot of experimentation. And given the different conditions, I mean, California is a country in itself. So if we're just even just talking about California, leveraging the Bay Area Finance Agency and its tools to do things like, you know, land bank, uh, manage the pipeline of development, maybe start doing financing differently. The LA version of this finance agency and the new revenue source that they now have, like these are opportunities for us to really start to experiment and figure out what works under our conditions. Uh, you know, we're not Vienna 100 years ago. <laughs> we're the United States today. And so how do we start to create space for that? That's interesting to me. And, you know, being able and I think one of the so one of the things that and I was hearing this in Sacramento, I've heard of this from others, like being able to really do some deep education with folks with legislators, we've got a new legislative class that just came in, there's gonna be another one at the next election. We need to really educate folks and what are we talking about here? What is broken about our system? Why does tweaking it around the edges not work for the long-term? Why do we need to think of a new paradigm? I think there's a question in the chat about affordable housing developers. Do they cur- Do they Will they have a role in this system going forward? Absolutely, I mean, they're the ones who can physically develop things. Um, And wouldn't they love it if they didn't have to rely on low-income tax credits that they can't get access to anymore because it's so competitive and there's so few and they have to do stacked financing of six or eight different sources. And wouldn't they love a different approach to be able to be more efficient, effective, impactful, and at scale? We should have those conversations. And um, I I think there's a lot of education to do, a lot of bringing lots of people into the tent. Community land trust organizations, tenant rights organizations, developers, bankers, you know, we need their finance know how to figure out how to do it differently. There's a big tent to be had here. And um, that would be my next that would be the other next to do is like, let's grow that tent.
0: Thank you so much, Jennifer. So on that that set of questions. Regina, I want to sort of throw it back to you on on kind of where we need to go from here. And I'm wondering if actually if part of that is you could, Andrew, ask uh, some really good questions. I think the SV at home has a lot of experience with. One is sort of how do you push social housing in the face of nimbyism, which is something that you and your members have faced from day one. And one of the reasons why SV at home was created was to help sort of push back against anti-housing voices. But the other question he asks is, how do we get affordable housing developers, many of whom, again, who have gotten used to building within the world that we have, with with this within the paradigm that we have, how do we generate enthusiasm amongst those who have figured out a way to survive in the existing paradigm to be part of shifting to whatever new paradigm that we're trying to build? I'm just reflecting on all of the the great
2: points that have been made. I think what I would want to add is we all really want the same thing. You know, SV at home, we... Our membership organization in Santa Clara County focused on this goal of bringing everyone together to the table to solve around this housing crisis and this crisis of folks being pushed out of their homes and out of the community. And um, all of our members are very broad, you know, all of the folks that um, Jennifer mentioned, and we all ultimately want the same thing. Um, that that is clear that we want folks to have uh, the ability to live um, and thrive here in the Bay Area, in this region that has tremendous economic boom, has so much economic success, but it's not being shared evenly across the population. And so we want everyone to benefit from the success of of this region, of, of, of this state, of this nation um and be able to live here and work here and and raise their 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 families here and be rooted here. And that goes to the average person as well, the average resident. Um, yes, there are NIMBYs. There are folks who do not want shared prosperity and 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 do not want to see development in their communities, but they are in the minority. I want to be super clear about that. Um, when we go out and we collect data and we poll and things like that the average person really wants to see their children being able to to live here and stay here the folks who are around them in their community their neighbors the folks who work at their the schools and the different services in their community they understand that that most folks are vulnerable to to being pushed out and the majority of folks want people to be able to have a home and stabi- and the stability that comes with um, having that home that's affordable. And so we really try to leverage that. The fact that we have the same goal, this new paradigm, that's not easy. Systemic change is, is challenging. But if we can bring everyone into this movement, knowing that we are aligned and where we're trying to accomplish, and like Tamika said earlier, really understand that we have to have an abundance mindset in order to be able to tackle this challenge, which means thinking outside of the box and even having to rewire how we think about things. And once we get to that, able to tap into our ultimate vision of a place where everyone can stay here and live and thrive, we can then allow folks to see that this is, some things have to fundamentally be changed or fundamentally shift in order to achieve that. Um, and so I, I do believe that folks will want to be a part of this if it really is achieving our shared goal. I think that, you know, some of the questions that folks have is that is around, like, specific details. Again, I mentioned that, you know, that distrust of government, the idea of creating a new state entity. I think a lot of housing challenges and issues are local. And so there's a real need for us to do a lot of this work on the local level, pulling in um, local jurisdictions, um, cities, counties, local housing authorities, folks who um, have been there and and producing public housing and and still receive funds to do that to some extent, right, Um, those local authorities, and um, really being able to look at it from a local level and recognize that. You know, there's going to have to be a lot of involvement from nonprofits um, that are neighborhood based and community based organizations on what what are the challenges on the local level and, and how do we kind of problem solve around those local dynamics. And so there's a lot of opportunity here. I think there's a, a, a tremendous amount of, of will, of public will, and that people are right now looking for solutions new actually open to new solutions you know we're unfortunately in a time where some things are being introduced that are are not quite solutions but folks are looking for new solutions and are in a state of openness and so if we are able to present this in a way that folks can understand it and understand the role that they can play i think i think we'll we'll definitely get folks there
0: with the remaining questions and remaining time, I just want to touch on a couple of things. So one is an anonymous attendee asks about what about micro housing or container housing. And again, one of the things that you'll see in most social housing visions is a real diversity of options. Uh, we're not, you know, it's a it's a paradigm that's trying to open up possibilities. Uh, for instance, one issue for me is the lack of availability of family size uh, housing, especially multifamily units. But I think that's something that you can you do and you see in, in other countries, everything from permanent supportive housing and micro units all the way up. The family size housing. Uh, but shout out to the Catalyze SV folks who wrote in with a couple of really great questions that I thought maybe we could end on. So one is uh, Alex's question, which is about who do we think are the most powerful or impactful or persistent opponents to social housing? And since I have a feeling that you all may not want to name names and throw people under the bus, if you do, great. Perhaps one of the other ways we could think about that is, is that if, if somebody is objecting and saying, hey, This is the United States. The government can't do this. California government can't do this. Local government doesn't have the capacity. What would you say to somebody that is a skeptic of it? Maybe again, maybe not an outright opponent, but just somebody who's like, that sounds great, but like, come on, really? Is this really possible?
3: I do think it's challenging for people to imagine a California a region where everyone in our region has housing that they can afford because it's never been done before. And so we are asking people to to take the leap of faith to change the, the sort of bread and butter of their own self interests, uh, whether it's protecting tenants, whether it's fighting for homelessness rights, whether it's uh, labor wanting to make sure that their members have access to quality jobs. So when we when we are asking for a system reimagining where we've never been there before, I think it's really hard to get all of the stakeholders to take uh, that step together and figure out what do we all collectively need to do differently in order to imagine a system that can serve everyone. And so I think that's fundamentally the challenge that we don't have the imagination to let go of the way in which we've been doing things to, to go in a completely different direction. I also think that it is, I, and I'll use the pandemic as an example. The pandemic was one of those, you know, moments in our, in, in my lifetime, in many people's lifetime, when the world had to actually stop and have a response about what to do in these unknown conditions when things were crazy and amazing things emerged out of that tragedy. And i personally worry that the state of housing unaffordability is causing epidemic kind of impacts, pandemic kind of impacts for our entire nation. And so if we could imagine a response that met the the moment, the need at scale to transform the society's basic need around housing, that's how we allow for things like social housing to blossom because we cannot look at it from our narrow individual self-interest. We must look at it as a transformative moment. And this is a set of tools that can be applied in ways that Jennifer and Regina talked about right now for us to get closer to that shared vision.
0: Jennifer, Regina, any final words on on this?
1: I love that idea of looking to the way we've transformed other arenas of our lives in response to intolerable circumstances otherwise. The fact that we produced a vaccine in a totally fundamentally different way, the pact that we're getting more serious about climate change. We're transforming how we think about energy, using and getting energy. We can do the same thing in housing. We just have to remember that, that it's possible to transform these systems. We've done it before and we can do it now.
2: I mean, the reality is, the way that this country was formed was from taking of land and from free labor. And there is a lot of prosperity that has come from harming large groups of people. So there's a lot invested in the status quo. It's not just perception. There is actual money and wealth tied to maintaining things just like they are. And so we have to recognize that to be able to um make change that there are folks who are not going to be as wealthy that is the intention of shared prosperity of making sure that we're no longer extracting from some communities so that others benefit it really is about changing that dynamic and i mean that's not the history of the united states so it is hard to imagine and you know, when is an enough wealth accumulation enough, enough power accumulation enough? Or when do we all have the numbers to have the power to be able to change it in spite of the 0.1% or whoever is actually stably housed in this country or 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 wealthy or has generational wealth? How do we leverage that power that the majority to be able to say, actually... We want something totally different. So that's, to me, that, uh, that's a lot of the challenge. And it sounds like all of us on this Zoom are ready to take that on.
0: Thank you all so much for being here. Um, thanks to all of our listeners for participating. Sorry, we've gone a little over. Apologies to anybody who's questioned that we did not get to uh before I toss it back to Bill or Gordon for any final words or goodbyes uh just congratulations out there to Sparty nation I know some great folks are graduating today uh on their pathway too many of you uh made it through university with inadequate housing sleeping in your cars uh not being supported in the way that you needed to support uh and just know that we're going to we're excited to work with you as you move into the professional world to make sure that this isn't the case for the next generations uh, of California public university students, whether you're the Community college or the CSUs or the UCs it's just been too long uh, of this kind of situation for and I think this is one of the key areas where. If we can't build housing for our own students at public universities uh, and for our teachers and for our adjuncts and for our custodians uh, and for the cafeteria workers and everybody who kind of makes our education system work uh, then you know we're not worthy of the master plan and the entire apparatus that we have built and we are so proud of here uh, in the state of california this is our next great state of california master plan for higher education involves housing uh, everybody who makes the education system work Uh, so thank you all for coming for having me